All of our children five through eight years of age, you are dismissed for junior church. Otherwise, you may be seated. Thank you. I invite you to take your scriptures this morning and turn back to that Acts chapter 2 passage, if you would, please. In Latin, the word for it is invictus. In French, it is irrepressible. In Spanish, it is imparable. In Italian, it's the word irrefrainable. In Swahili, it is pronounced zibuka. In Chinese, the characters that form the word are the idiom for something that is raging or spreading rapidly, and you should picture a wildfire. In English, we say unstoppable. What comes to your mind when you think of unstoppable? If you're sports-minded, you might remember back to the 1972 Dolphins, who are still to this day the only team that went the entire season undefeated, including winning the Super Bowl. In football that year, they were unstoppable. Or perhaps you think of Floyd Mayweather, who over his professional career as a boxer won championships in five different weight classes. And in his life, his final record in boxing was 50 and zero. He never lost. He was unstoppable in the ring. But perhaps this morning, when you think of unstoppable, you're thinking of other things, things that people have experienced lately, even on the news, natural disasters, unstoppable forces like earthquakes and volcanoes and typhoons and forest fires and avalanches and hurricanes and tornadoes and floods, tsunamis. We've seen them all. Some of you perhaps even experienced them. All of them are unstoppable. But not all unstoppable forces are visible and even sizable. In fact, some of the most powerful unstoppable forces in our culture or in our lives are things that you cannot see, microscopic things, intangible things like cancer. And all of us have experienced the COVID-19. We have felt, haven't we? We have felt the threatening, destructive power of diseases and illnesses that no matter what vaccine you get or what treatment that you are given, they often are unstoppable. In the New Testament, the words in the original language are this, uk ein dunatan, and it means, as it's translated in our text, not possible. See, that's what Peter is saying in our text. It's not possible. It was possible to put Jesus to death on the cross. But he makes a point of saying this. It was not possible that death and the grave should hold him. And that is why we love the verse in the song of the old hymn, Christ Arose, which says, death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. We love that. You know why? Because it says this, that Jesus' resurrection makes him unstoppable. And so Peter, in that verse, if you're looking there in your text, in chapter 2 and verse 27, 24, I should say, he uses two graphic words to describe the unstoppable life of Jesus. And the first one is, he says, loosing the pangs of death. It's a word that often is 
given or, or used to describe women and birth pangs. And so, see, for Jesus, death and in the grave was not the end. Oh, it was the beginning. It was the beginning of something awesome and great. And here's why. Because it was not possible. There was not power enough that the grave and death could hold him. He couldn't be held by it. It's a word that means to be arrested by. Thus the song saying, the prison bars of death have been opened and Jesus Christ has triumphed over the grave. The resurrection of Jesus has a lot of has a lot of impact and it has a lot of meanings but the one i want to concentrate on this morning is this that jesus being alive means this the mission that we call the great commission is unstoppable all you have to do is survey the book of acts which we're going to do this morning and you're going to see how unstoppable the mission that we've been celebrating all the month of october is for all of us who know christ in acts chapter 2 Immediately you see unstoppable preaching. Only 50 days, and that's the context of Acts chapter 2. It's coming up to the day of Pentecost. It is there. And 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, they are preaching powerfully. Unstoppable preaching. There are three different sermons. You can look at them yourself. Chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4. And all in them, they have this. They are preaching to the audience that is filled with people who just 50 days earlier wanted Jesus to be crucified because the sermon is preached this way. It says, you have taken lawless hands and you have crucified him. You have, chapter 3 and verse 15, you have killed the prince of life. You have put him to death. And over and over again in those unstoppable preaching messages, here's what the apostles say. That although 50 days earlier, you were the ones crying out for Jesus to be crucified and you wanted him dead. See, here's the unstoppable gospel. Those very same people are getting saved. God is working in their lives and he is changing them from the inside out. And not just a handful, by the way. The Bible records by the numbers that they are coming to him by the thousands. See, it's unstoppable preaching backed up by unstoppable power. And so in the early church, in the first few chapters, and all through the book of Acts, you can see that the word of God is verified by the power of God. In chapter 3, Peter and John are outside the temple, and there's a man asking for help. He wants alms, but they heal him and said, and by the way, the greatest thing about it is there are only two miraculous times in the New Testament that someone who was born with a defect physically was healed. John 9 was Jesus healing the man who was born blind. And this one, not Jesus, but his followers doing the same thing, having the same power that he had, that this man in chapter uh, 4 and chapter 5, he was a man who was born crippled. And the disciples have that same unstoppable power that Jesus had to do things that could only be done by God. But that's not all. Prison doors are open. And in chapter 5, the uh, disciples are giving the gospel out and they are in the temple preaching Jesus Christ and risen from the dead and they get in trouble. They are thrown into prison by while they're there that night where everyone else is sleeping. In the morning they come to get them out, but they are gone. Why? Because God opened the prison doors. He does it again in chapter 12. Why? Because he wants us to know 
unstoppable preaching. He wants us to know unstoppable power. That's what the mission of Jesus is because he's been raised from the dead. More than that, unstoppable prayer. Read chapter 4 and all throughout the book of Acts and how God's people, no matter what are, what's going on, see, they are praying. In chapter 4 and verse 31 of Acts, it says, And when they prayed, the place was shaken. Literally, you would have thought it was an earthquake in there because of the power of prayer. And that powerful prayer allowed them to get off their knees, go into the temple and into their culture and witness, and here's the word, boldly for Jesus. See, it's the unstoppable prayer that is connected to our mission in reaching people with the gospel. Let me add a little bit more to it. Read chapter 6 through 28 of the book of Acts, and you'll find that it's also unstoppable progress. Commentators say that there are nine growth statements, as they are called, all throughout the book of Acts. Because you know Acts is brought into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the world. And these nine growth statements that are described by this vocabulary grew... Added, multiplied, great numbers, increased. Over and over again, those words are used repeatedly. And it doesn't, listen to this, and it doesn't matter where the gospel is going. In any of those four places, locally, further away from home, in the far reaches of the world, it doesn't matter. Because where the gospel is being preached, there is unstoppable Progress, no matter what's happening. Some commentators have even said that there's a parallel between the march of the gospel and the word of God going throughout the book of Acts and in every city conquering everywhere they go. It's the same as the Exodus in Canaan when the Israelites went around and they conquered everywhere that they went. Some even call it a second Exodus because the unstoppable progress of the gospel. In fact, the book of Acts ends in the very last verse, chapter 28 and verse 31. Even though Paul is under Roman house of rest, the final phrase of Acts reads this way, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, with all boldness. It is a Greek word that means this, unhindered. Nothing preventing it. No impediments. Nothing and no one standing in the way. No real opposition that cannot be overcome. And that's how the book of Acts ends. That even though Paul in his situation, that he seems like that he has been stopped. Oh, the reality is the gospel hasn't. Because he's still having opportunity to preach the kingdom no matter where he is. There is no hindrance. Here's why. Because it's unstoppable. Mission impossible in Acts has become mission unstoppable. See, in the midst of all of this, don't get me wrong, I'm painting a pretty positive picture, and it is. But there's more to it than that. If you read the book of Acts, in the midst of all of these unstoppable things are also what seem to be at times unstoppable problems both in the church and outside the church. Because also in the pages of the story of the book of Acts is the church being persecuted, its leaders put in prison, women and men alike being hunted down. There are people who are followers of Jesus, known people who are being martyred. There are church conflicts because they're starting churches between Jews and Gentiles who normally would never have got along. 
but they are put in the same church. So there are riots and there are beatings and there are shipwrecks and there's conspiracies on people's lives. There are those who are being arrested and far worse. See, I want you to know today that you are on an unstoppable mission, but that does not mean that you personally or me personally that we're unstoppable. We're not stoppable, unstoppable individually. We are unstoppable collectively as God's people. And you don't have to go far to prove that. Jesus himself was crucified. Eleven out of the twelve disciples of Christ were martyred for their faith. Stephen was stoned in these pages. Paul eventually would be beheaded. But no matter where the gospel goes, no matter who is saying it, no matter what empire opposes it, it is always progressing unstoppably progressing. But hasn't that been the way it's always been with God and his mission? The Bible, literally, you can look at it, is a history of the unstoppable acts of God. God doing the impossible by himself sometimes, but more often through people and frequently in very impossible situations and problems. Abraham and Sarah, the impossible, the unstoppable Messiah coming through them, even when they were old and 90 and 100 years old. You have Joseph, seemingly unstoppable problems, put in prison, framed for a crime, left for nothing. He's going to be there, but he's not there the rest of his life because God delivered him. And he goes from the pit to the palace, and he becomes unstoppable to continue the story. Not to say Moses and Exodus and all that they went against and the Canaan conquest and the judges and King David, and defeating the enemies of God, and Daniel quenching the mouth of of a lion, and his friends, the fires of the fiery furnace. We haven't even said anything about all the stories that remain in the New Testament. We haven't touched on the prophets. We haven't touched on church history, and the story of famous men and women that we love to read their biographies, preachers, missionaries, evangelists. I.E. William Carey, Adniram Judson, William Borden, Jim Elliott, C.T. Studd, David Brainer, Amy Carmichael, Corey Ten Boom. We watched that last night with our missions mania with our kids. Watched Corey Ten Boom and her family rescue Jews from the Nazis. See, all those stories and many, many more. See, they're not there for our entertainment. They're there for our encouragement to realize that's the story that we belong to. Because Jesus Christ died and was raised again, we are on an unstoppable mission. There is even an organization today, I'm not sure if you realize it, it's a church planning organization, and the name of it is Acts 29. And the reason it is, it seems strange up front, because, you know, Acts only has 28 chapters. But they call themselves Acts 29, and you know why? Because they still believe, they still believe that what's going on in Acts is going on now. You know why? That the mission is still going and the mission is still unstoppable. The question is, do you believe that? Is that the story that you live in? Is that the mission that you're on every day? Oh, see, we have our own set of unstoppable problems that seem to happen to us. Do we not in our culture? I mean, things haven't changed much in 2,000 years. Movements within our churches... And I've mentioned them before, and you are well aware of them, most of you are. The health and wealth false gospel that is being more and more adapted by churches and people on the radio and TV and the like. 
with Benny Hinn and Joel Olstein, who are false prophets. Affirmation of homosexuality in our culture is becoming more and more rampant, not just in our culture, but in churches, churches led by pastors that we would have thought we could trust even for years ago. And recently with Andy Stanley's unconditional conference in his church of 40,000 people and his dad, Charles Stanley, you know, is now having conferences where LGBTQ people are the main speakers. Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, is now espousing that we should allow female preachers in our churches and in our pulpits, even though the Bible teaches differently. I'm here to tell you today, counterfeiters of the gospel will not stop the mission of Jesus. Compromisers who are afraid to stand up for the truth, they will not stop the mission of Jesus. Those who would contradict and oppose, they will not stop the mission of Jesus. But it's not just as bad as it is the movements that are contrary to God's mission within our churches, but it's in our culture. The rise of, and I say it all, LGBTQQIP2SAA+. Do you know what all that means? I had to look up some of it. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, androgynous, asexual, plus. Along with the 47 flags that represent that movement. I can tell you this. An assault on God's creative design and sexuality will not stop the gospel nor the mission of Jesus. In our world, we have a plethora of world religions, false religions, that are often as greater or greater in numbers than Christianity, and they are not going to stop the spread of the gospel. Anti-God philosophies that are now prominent and I would say dominant in our government and our public schools, they will not be able to stop the mission of Jesus. The popularity of therapeutic deism and expressive individualism and the selfishness that is occurring on every level in our culture, it cannot stop the gospel. I say all of those things not to promote an overly us versus them mentality or because we shouldn't show love to all the people who oppose the truth, all the main people I've named and their movements. We should show them the love of Christ and speak to them words of life. Rather, I have mentioned them today because I'm afraid that with all the unstoppable problems in our culture, that we could be possibly tempted to be passive. Passive in our evangelistic efforts, perhaps above all else, in our response to the missionary mandate that we so believe. I have talked to, I don't know if you have because it's on everybody's conversation, I think. I've talked to a lot of people in recent days and weeks about the two wars that are going on and the atrocities that mark them both. The most common response that I have had, even from God's people at times, and I would almost want to say the only response I've had is that they want Jesus to come back and take us out of this chaotic mess. I completely grasp that sentiment, and I long for Jesus to come back today. But can I tell you this? When the early church looked around at what seemed to be unstoppable problems in the midst of their unstoppable mission, they did not become passive and want to be taken out of it. Here's what they said. They were not passive, they were active 
you'll find that all the impossible problems that they faced, they, pre- they responded by preaching harder, praying more, giving sacrificially, living sacrificially. See, both inside and outside of the church, they were active in giving the gospel to people in their culture, no matter what the cost. Because for them, knowing Jesus had died and was raised and was coming back at any time made them more intense, more zealous to see that God could still do the impossible in this world because the movement was unstoppable. See, that's why... Acts is called just that. It's the acts of the apostles. It's not the passive doing nothing of the apostles. It's their acts. In fact, if you read it carefully in the opening verses, you'll find it's a continuation of the church doing exactly what Jesus had started doing. See, we are to be active in our pursuit of our communities and loving and how we can minister to them and how we can give the gospel to them. See, the early church knew this, that their mission was not impossible. Rather, it was unstoppable. And here's what it made them do. Not sit idly by waiting for Jesus to get rid of it all. Or bemoaning the fact of how bad it was. Oh, no. They lived it out daily. D-A-I-L-Y. Do the study for yourself. It is a common motif throughout the book of Acts of what they did daily. And I can tell you this. Serving and witnessing was one of them. The apostle and the early Christians, though, can I tell you, they were not the only ones who understood what unstoppable meant. If you have your Bibles, turn over a couple of pages to chapter 5 and verse 39. You'll find an unusual passage that God uses a lost intellectual Pharisee To show the Israelites who wanted to kill the disciples of Jesus for preaching about him. That they better be careful. And what he does here, Gamaliel does, is he gives them a warning. And he says, you better understand what you're doing before you take action. And so he says to them in chapter 5 and verse 35, men of Israel, which is used five times in the opening. He's like, it's the same introduction that Peter uses in his preaching. You'd almost want to think that he's preaching. He gives them a warning, and he uses recent examples in Israelite history to prove it. And so he calls upon a guy named Theotis. Theotis was historically a false messiah. And he talks about a guy named Judas of Galilee, another false messiah. You know, Jesus wasn't the only one in his time claiming to be the messiah. There were many. And so he even warns after his time that many false Christs would come. But Theotis and Judas of Galilee have this in common. Verse 36, they claimed to be somebody. And that meant they claimed to be Messiah. And they got followers. See, he's trying to say, just like Jesus did, Jesus claimed to be somebody. Jesus had followers. But here's what happened to these other two guys before Jesus. They got a following. People obeyed them. Verse 36, but Theotis, he, listen to the phrase, he came to nothing. You know why? Because it wasn't real. It wasn't true. He came to nothing. It meant literally it was destroyed. See, you know what he's saying? That's a stoppable mission. See, their leader died and he stayed dead. And when he died, the mission was dead. Then he uses Judas of Galilee in verse 37. Drew some people, had a following. 
It says, listen to this, he too perished, just like the other guy, and he stayed dead. And when he died, the mission died. See, it was a stoppable mission. But then he says in verses 38 and 39 some pretty profound words for someone who didn't even believe that Jesus resurrected. He says, let me tell you the difference between those types of missions and the unstoppable kind. In verse 38 he says, if this plan, meaning the mission of Jesus and his disciples, if this plan or this undertaking, which means a work, and he saw that movement as a work, the debate is what kind of work is it? He says, but if this undertaking, listen to the phrase, is of man. If this is only a man thing and it only has their preaching and a man's preaching, man's power, man's progress, if it's only that, he says, it will fail, literally be destroyed. It is a stoppable movement. Just like Theudas and this, just like Judas of Galilee, but hear me, you know what this unsafe Pharisee says? But In contrast, if it is not of men but of God, if its sources of God, if its power is of God, if its preaching is of God, if its progress is of God, here's what he says. You can't stop it. If if it's of God, you will not be able to, and that's the word for possible and impossible. It will be impossible For you to overthrow it. Do you hear what he's saying? You can kill these guys, but you're wasting your time. You can persecute them. You can throw them in prison. You can't stop an of God movement. Church, that is us. That is us. What are we afraid of? Why don't we live that passion out? Why isn't that what we pray about and think about all the time? He says, if you're part of an unstoppable movement, do you know that this movement cannot be overthrown? It's the same word, fail, in verse 38. It means you can't destroy it. In fact, he says this, you might even be found, which would be a shocker, you might even find yourself being opposed to God. Imagine, for someone who believed in God and all that he had done, he's saying you'd be in an, you're putting yourself in a bad situation because if God is in this movement, you can't, and the word is a Only time use of a Greek word in the New Testament means God fighter. You can never win. You cannot fight God and win. Can I tell you that? That's what we're talking about in Missions Month. That's what moves us as a church. That's our vision. That's our mission. We are fighting with God to reach those who are fighting against God. Say, Pastor Walker, that's great. I already knew that. I know you did, but are you living it? Do you live a life every single day that more portrays of man living or of God living? What mission are you really on? If you live an unstoppable mission with God, how does it change your priorities? How does it change how you use your time? How does it change how you see your family? How does it change how you view church? How does it change how you view talking to your neighbors and getting to know the people at your job? See, we are an of God movement, and it cannot be stopped. Oh, God forbid that Faith Baptist Church would ever be passive in our response to the things that are going on in our culture. That rather we would be active because I tell you, they were. 
Did you read the last, just the last few verses of uh, Acts 5? How do you know, Pastor Walker, what would it look like, what would it look like if we were active? You know what it would be? Here's how you'd respond to the unstoppable gospel, even when things were difficult and the days were dark, like the days we live in. It says in verse 41 that they were rejoicing after, after they were beaten. Could have been rods. It could have been flogging. It was hideous. They were beaten, and their response? Oh, Jesus, come and take us about it. No. You know what their response was? Joy. Joy after being beaten because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. See, they are getting into the mess, not wanting to get out of it. The next day, strangely enough, verse 42 says that, and the next day, mind you, 24 hours after being told that you can't preach in his name and you're, gonna, you're beaten for it, suggesting that next time it will be worse. Where do you find them? Not huddled in their room, not hoping that things get better, not leaving the country. they back in the same place doing the same thing the next day. They're back in the temple preaching Jesus as the Christ because he's the true Messiah. That's when you know you believe it's unstoppable. See, our mission is an of God mission because our Christ, Jesus, that we follow, he is the true one. And I would tell you today, he's worthy of our suffering dishonor. He's worthy of active, our active witnessing. He's worthy of going back to places we know are risky. He's worthy of our obedience no matter what the impossible situation is. And I would tell you that the unstoppable preaching, the unstoppable power, the unstoppable prayer, the unstoppable progress is only possible through the unstoppable person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is alive, and he is here at Faith Baptist Church. Through Jesus, we can reach Hamilton we can reach Trenton. We can reach the family members that perhaps you have given up on, friends that no longer want to even listen to you. We can reach them and our neighbors. We can talk to people. We can open our mouths and our hearts to people. And the person next to us on the plane, the, the lady that we're cashing out of the store with, no one is beyond our reach. I tell you, we, live, we should live unstoppable. And it should change us. Is it? Is it changing you? I want to close today. I know we're a little over. But I want to close with a video song today. And I want you to listen to the words, especially the part in the middle, when it talks about how the grave can't hold him and death couldn't keep him. Let it move you emotionally as high as the truth Jonathan Edwards would say that you hear in it. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Our Father, you are holy. You are Lord God Almighty. Unstoppable God. The God that can do the impossible. May that not be a theory to us an abstract truth that we never experience. 
but may we experience in the lives of the people of Faith Baptist Church because we believe it. That we believe that you are unstoppable and the mission that we are on is unstoppable because Jesus has been raised from the dead. He couldn't be held by it. And we too will live because he lives. So help us to count the cost. Help us to sacrifice. Help us to spend and be spent for the cause of Jesus that all the nations might worship you. And you deserve that, Master. And we pray that in it you'd be glorified. For it's in your wonderful and powerful and beautiful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are